1: or on your smart devices podcasting platform. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz. I uh, hope you had an enjoyable weekend. Uh, you know, it's always good to have a sunny day for a change, and, uh, it's the last day of February, and... Um, Today we're excited to welcome attorneys Megan McGrew and uh, who is the director of legal process engineering at Baker Donaldson, and Adam Kilgore, a, a frequent guest, uh, who's the general counsel of the Mississippi Bar uh, to the show. And we're going to talk about the uses of AI, and specifically, we're going to look at something that's been in the news a lot lately, Chat GPT. Um, and Megan is an expert in in these types of uh, uses in the law, so we're glad to to welcome her to the show today, along with Adam. Good morning to both of you, and uh, thanks for being on the show. Would you tell us a little bit about your your backgrounds?
1: Adam, you want to start?
3: Sure, be happy to. Uh, It's good to be with you both, and glad to have Megan on with us today. Uh, I serve as general counsel of the Mississippi Bar. Uh, we handle ethics and attorney discipline. Um, In the mix of that work, uh, we uh, invest time and energy advising attorneys about their ethical obligations. Uh, And so today's topic is, uh, of course, timely, uh, it's also beneficial that we have a technology committee uh, at the bar uh, that uh, as well as an ethics committee. And so there are times where matters uh, present themselves or there may be some uh, new technology that comes along. Uh, and we look at the rules of professional conduct, the ethics rules to try to ascertain how for a lawyer to proceed and do so ethically. Uh, and then, of course, technology uh, creates its own uh, unique challenges. And so when invited to the show today, I would uh thought of our technology chair, uh, Megan McGrew, who's also a colleague and friend. Uh, and Megan, tell them, tell them about you.
4: Thank you, Adam. Uh, so again, my name is Megan McGrew, and I am a director of legal process engineering at Baker Donaldson. And I realize that that's probably just a very weird title for most people to hear and understand. But if you boil it down, basically what I do is I look at... The matters and the way that our attorneys work. And I work with them as well as our clients to identify innovative ways to uh, implement our legal. Processes. Okay. And so that means that I look at things from pricing and budgeting to uh, process improvement and even the application of technology for our, uh, for our teams as well as our clients. And, you know, through this, I've really gotten, uh, very comfortable with technology, but still absolutely know that there is more I need to learn. And I've been lucky to serve as the chair of the technology committee for the past three years where um, our committee has taught me more and more about how they use technology in their working worlds and uh, also how we see it play out across different firm sizes and locations.
2: Well, you know, I've always been impressed that uh, Baker Donaldson has taken the lead um, in, in technology. I think law firms in general have really fallen behind um other professions uh in the use of technology and your firm has always been and the fact that you even have uh uh, you know they have someone like you uh, as a lawyer uh, at that firm says a lot because i don't think every firm does look at data and and this kind of information the same way but today we're going to talk about the legal implications uh and uses for artificial intelligence and including Chat GBT because that has been so prominent in the news lately. What what exactly is AI?
4: So in preparing to come on this this talk, I actually reached out to a couple of my friends to see, you know, I can talk about AI all day, but that's what I do. And I may speak of it in a jargon that maybe isn't understood by everyone and so when i said hey what do you think of when you hear ai uh they all said the terminator or the jetsons or you know something like that and quite honestly if you think well that's not necessarily wrong um thinking about robots or androids or that when you hear uh artificial intelligence is a bit like talking about boats and only thinking about aircraft carriers okay Yes, it's true, but there are so many different things that include AI. Um, at its base, AI is a theory and a development of, of computer systems that is able to perform tasks that normally require, um, you can't see me, but I'm doing the air quotes, human intelligence. Okay. And basically, that's visual perception, speech recognition, decision making, and even translation between uh, languages. And so, you know, the, it's not as scary as it seems. We, we hear this decision-making. We're thinking, oh, we're giving computers uh, human abilities. But the truth is, is that it's still learning. And you're using AI every day, whether you know it or not. Uh, for example, maps and navigation systems is not just satellite-based GPS anymore. Right, we have systems that are learning how to uh, identify edges of buildings and corners, and so you can use uh, your your navigation system as you're walking. Uh, facial detection and recognition. So, if you have a phone that you open by it looking at your face, that's artificial intelligence. Okay, and um, as well as if you play around on social media and you like to make your face look like you have puppy dog ears and a puppy dog nose that's also artificial intelligence. Um, and quite honestly, you know, I could go on and on, but, you know, probably one of the, the quick ones is if you texted this morning and your autocorrect changed it to a word that you didn't, and that's, that's artificial intelligence as is streaming services, suggesting a certain TV show or social media, suggesting certain people to follow. Uh, or even if you go online to um, maybe complain about a recent purchase and you click on the, how can I help you box? That's artificial intelligence. So I I say all that to say, I don't want people to be scared of artificial intelligence. And I also want them to understand that we are touching it every day and it's learning every day.
2: And I know that my, my, uh, whether it's Alexa or Siri, they're, they're listening
4: Uh, Oh, absolutely.
2: Because, because, uh, you know, things will pop up on on YouTube uh, as suggestions simply by conversations I've had with my wife, uh, you know, while the TV is on. Uh, What about ChatGPT? That's something that we've read about recently. Um, What exactly is it?
4: So ChatGPT is a chatbot. Okay. And what I just uh, spoke about the whole going to a website and communicating with a, a vendor, you know, your favorite online retailer, um, those are chatbots. Okay. So, Chat GPT, I apologize, is a chatbot at its core. And basically, what it does is it takes artificial intelligence, so that decision making and all that, and a thing called natural language processing which is uh, basically where we have or not where humans have gone in and, and taught computers how to respond in a way that mimics human uh conversations that's what natural language proce- natural language processing is uh but the chatbots take ai and natural language processing to uh receive a question receive input right and then provide a response to them uh, in such a way that it feels uh, like we are communicating with another human. So that's what ChatGPT GP- is at its core. Now, of course, this one is a little bit different because it's not strictly sourced uh, for a particular retailer or website, okay? So um, the, what they did to train ChatGPT is they actually brought in AI trainers humans, um, where the humans served on both sides, both as the person, the user requesting the information, as well as the sort of AI assistant. And what that did was it gave the uh, ability for the uh, human version of the AI assistant to choose the best answer now please note that i said best answer it's like those terrible tests that you took in high school or college Um, not what's the right answer what's the best answer and so it took that and then you know they did this over and over and over again until uh, this iterative process basically built up a system that can again air quotes answer questions that are posed by users Um, but I do want to dial that back basically you know we talk about AI like it is a human because we are giving it human characteristics that's typical um, that's kind of psychology 101 (laughs) you know we like to give uh, different things uh, human characteristics but what is true in this situation is basically AI is taught The um, best or or most statistically correct answer uh, to respond to buzzwords or stimulus that is provided to it. So it's basically, while it is decision making, it's still definitely a computer process. And Chat GPT has just been given sort of a, a wealth of knowledge to be able to take the information and respond to it to provide. Very interesting papers and answers, and as I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, litigation and even some uh, some lawmaking <laughs> documents that have come about in the news. If you would
1: like to send us an email with your question, just send it to legalterms at mpbonline dot org. We're discussing artificial intelligence software with legal issues. Our guests are Adam Kilgore and Megan McGrew. They're both members of the Mississippi Bar. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that organization next. This is In Legal Terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our whole show live. Uh, You can listen to the program on our website inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, whether you're an attorney or you might be a client one day, I hope that you'll check out the Mississippi Bar website, msbar.org. Gosh, you must keep your webmaster pretty busy, Adam, because there is just tons and tons and tons of good, Information that's just good to know on that website. Today, we're talking about AI software and how attorneys use it, how it's used in the legal profession. Should they use it? How they use it? Our guests are Mississippi Bar Attorneys Adam Kilgore and Megan McGrew, who's also with the firm Baker Donaldson.
2: Yeah, and it's great to have them both along today, Glazer. and this is such a, such a fun and interesting topic and timely um, you know, and and Megan, you know, I, you and I were talking before the show about how I'm old enough to remember when we drafted wills using a, a, a Selectrix typewriter, um, and we were so happy that you could, you know, make one change. You know, the ball could go backwards, and you could erase the last letter you did. And we've come a long way, thankfully, and now lawyers don't have to spend their time, you know, in that part of the production. But so uh, we've been using forms as as templates and things like that uh, for for many decades, but. How is ChatGPT or AI different from using like forms to draft documents?
4: So let's start with the one we know, you know, and that's forms and templates. And um, quite honestly, we still use those, you know, uh, whether we develop them in-house for our own service, you know, there's even uh, vendors out there that you can go and buy forms from. Uh, But, Basically, when you're talking about a form, you're talking about how someone has actually put in the time to identify the appropriate format and clauses for the uh, subject matter and jurisdiction that you're working within and have put into paper, as it were, to develop this source of truth. Uh, and basically it's, you know, we know that these are the, the, uh, this is the information that we need to have a a standing document that will actually do what I need it to do. Um, then when you're talking about forms, basically someone has gone in and identified those variables that are going to change um, dependent on the situation. Now, anybody who uses forms know that you're, you know, you can use them seven times out of ten right? Uh, for that's why the forms are there. And if you were only going to be able to use it once, there'd be no reason to make a form. This is something that you're able to use time and time again. And of course, the downside to it is it does have to be kept up to date with changing laws, rules and regulations. Um, you know, it does have to be kept up to date to ensure that it's still uh, within the legal requirements for that field, that jurisdiction. So, that's a template, that's a form, um, you know, that's something that we know it has to be kept updated. When you're talking about developing uh, a document, a legal document using ChatGBT, it's it's going to go to its source of truth. And if you ever talk to anybody uh, who works in the data realm, there's a huge possibility that they're going to use that phrase source of truth. It's sort of poetic, isn't it? Uh, but basically uh, a source of truth is that, that one place where it's getting the data and information. Okay. Um, and the problem or potential problem is that, you know, we do not have control over what is in that source of truth, unless we are the ones who are limiting access to it. Okay, so whereas a form, we can look at it, we can adjust it to fit as we know it needs to be adjusted, again, depending on laws or rules and regulations. When it comes to chat GPT, it's sort of like some of the online encyclopedia (laughs) websites uh, where pretty much anybody can go in and make adjustments to it. And, you know, as I was talking about earlier about that iterative process of, um, you know, having questions asked and choosing the best answer for chat GPT, depending on how chat GPT is used and depending on its uh, source of truth, while you can get a baseline legal document written, if you provide it the correct prompts, there's No way that you are going to know if it is uh, correct legally uh, unless you do give it a good review and potentially a lot of updates. Um, So that's, you know, the difference is a form document, you have the source of truth in front of you. It exists there. Chat GPT is going out and searching for the source of truth, which you do not have
2: control over. That's such a great way to put it, and uh, and very understandable. And, and thank you for that. And you know, we we have the general counsel for the the bar here, and you know, there've got to be some ethical concerns uh, from the use of, of of some of this technology. I, you know, we talked last time you were on the show, Adam. We talked about well, what about you know the voice um, uh, AI's like uh, Alexa and and Siri? If I'm in my office and I'm talking to a client, but what ethical concerns might arise from The use of things like chat GPT.
3: Well, and yeah, this is the point of the show where I say technology changes in the rules. The general concepts generally do not. Uh, As a lawyer, I would be thinking about three things uh, in dealing with, uh, you know, AI or really any type of technology. This would go back to when telephone was first invented and lawyers started using it. But it would be confidentiality of information uh, in the uh, AI setting uh, if I am implementing information into a program to try to create something on behalf of a client, is that information safe? Um, you know, where's it going? Who else might could see it? Some some very basic things, but I would want to know more about that. Um, and, you know, our obligation uh, for doing things such as communicating with our clients uh, has changed over the years from a technological standpoint, but it hasn't from an obligation standpoint. And then the third part would be competence. Uh, some rules, excuse me, some jurisdictions have a rule 1.1 1. 1 that talks about technological competence. So ChatGPT has come out here. I'm a presuming in the last year, I, uh, at least that's, that's how it's got when it's gotten popular. Uh, I'm sure it existed in some form prior to that. Uh, As lawyers, you're not expected to know the new and latest thing just as as it arrives. But eventually, you have an obligation to be technologically competent as time goes on. There are still, rumor has it, a few lawyers that don't use email, but they have an email account, and they actually have people that print it off, and they write an answer back, and then someone sends it back. That's a bit antiquated. Uh, At this stage... Um, That's probably still okay, But if the lawyer was to start to use email uh, actively, then they would also, you know, be be required to understand a little bit better. But regardless, whatever technology you're using, uh, it ultimately comes back to the lawyer. And they are going to be obligated to make sure that what's being done is, again, uh, matters are being kept confidential, um, uh, you know safeguarding uh, client information, and as it go forward as it goes forward, you may well have an obligation to understand it more than than you did when it first came out, but the rules don 't necessarily change. Uh, uh, there are times we have an ethics opinion on metadata uh, that came out about seven eight years ago. Uh, there will be times where the bar or the, uh, the profession will see something and go, "All right, this is prevalent enough. We need to speak to it, and it's unique." And I will say, Chat GPT strikes me as very unique. I, I am still blown away by it conceptually. Uh, I, I always, you know, shift it to the music side, but. You know, to me, the, having the ability to go and say, write me a song in the style of Paul McCartney, and for it to come back, and it may or may not be good, uh, but it, it touches on those, is, is just simply amazing technology. Um, I know there's concerns in the music industry that uh, eventually there will not be songwriters anymore. It's going to be AI. I have a hard time believing that completely, but this is where we are. These computers are doing the work for us.
1: Adam, you said something that just blew my mind. And when I put it together with what Megan said, I just don't know where to go. So, you know, you talked about the confidentiality. Well, if you want to generate a form or a legal document that is particular and, you know, specific to that client, you're going to have to give that AI that specific client information. And Megan, you know we've, we've, we've learned and we've talked that these AIs absorb all the data in the world. So then that client's information is that's part of the learning for the artificial intelligence and it's then put out there into the database. Megan is, how, how does that work with the confidentiality business?
4: Well, I'll be honest with you, you're kind of stretching the limits of my of my knowledge when it comes to the technical aspects of it. But the the truth is is that uh for most of our information that we gather as a um as attorneys is you, you know, we keep it under key. We learn day and night, you know, what is our ethical responsibility regarding the information, right? Um, I am unsure as to whether that data would actually get put into a chat GPT. Um, for example, names or instances. Um, but rather, I think that the correct, um, uh, use of it, if, if that's the correct word to use, um, would be, you know, write a response based on, uh, the circumstances without using names. Uh, I I don't think that using names would be of the best interest. And the reason for that is those names, those instances, number one, of course we don't want to share those with outside parties, but number two, they're a part of the nuance that hasn't been in this source of truth learning. Right. And so if it brings anything back regarding that individual, that's going to be probably wholly outside of the legal issue at hand. Um, so again, I, I can't give you a solid answer as to whether or not that information going into the system is then breaking a confidentiality. It potentially could. I, I don't think that would be the best way to use chat GPT would be on a specific basis, but rather on a general
1: Good to know, and, and that's where philosophers plus computer scientists who know the code and know what's in the code have to come and, and have a, a meeting of the mind. You can join our show for with questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with Mississippi Bar Attorneys Adam Kilgore and Megan McGrew, who's also with the firm Baker Donaldson, about the use of AI software. So, hey, this is kind of off topic, but if you know any student artists there's a chance for them to express their thoughts about democracy this spring. I'm going to tell you more about that next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host, and I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast or find MPB Think Radio recordings from the whole studio's website MPBOnline.org slash radio. This morning we're talking about AI software like OpenAI or ChatGPT with our guests, Mississippi Bar Attorneys Adam Kilgore and Megan McGrew, who's also with the firm Baker Donaldson. That uh, bar website has. Uh, tons of awards somebody's going to be in the award-giving department um and they've got a contest called cornerstones of democracy virtual law day art contest it's open for kids grade k through 12 i'll have a link on the show page for this broadcast adam i think it's fantastic just exposing kids to the idea, you know, in kindergarten of, you know, what's fair, what's law, and having them express
3: it through art. It is – really exciting to see those pieces come in uh, and, and you know through the eyes of children we can see the truth uh, there has been some <laughs> some wonderful things I want to be clear I'm not actively involved in that but I've been at the bar for over 20 years and uh, we, we all huddle up and go hey they're starting to put them up in that room and we start to look at them and it is it is it is really interesting to see to see what they're seeing and what they're thinking um, and, and has been a great introduction so thank, thank you for bringing that up I know, I know we're excited to pump up that program. Well
1: and they're giving out awards per school so so any you know if, if if your school's not doing it you enter your award and you'll win your, award, you'll there win we go. your first place
2: <laughs> well that's great and the bar does a lot of good work and and has a great website as you mentioned Liz, and uh, so let's talk about you know lawyers in general and practice and, and Megan you and I were talking before the show about Richard Susskind and his you know his book <laughs> the end of lawyers um, and he predicted that technology would eventually Um, and our profession, and I think that's a gross overstatement, but do you think that chat GPT will replace lawyers in some areas of practice, like uh, will drafting or contract drafting, for example? Uh,
4: Replace, no. Uh, Change our duties? Yes, Um, and and I'm going to take a step back and instead of just focusing on chat GPT, I do uh, want to make sure that everybody is aware that attorneys are already using artificial intelligence in their practice areas. Um, And, you know, I don't want, I don't want that to sound like an attack. Uh, The truth is, is that there are some things out there that are so rote and they happen uh, so many times that it is uh, just easier and more cost efficient uh, to have a sort of AI tool that can uh, get most of the job done, right? And please note that I said most. Um, so when we do have things like wills or baseline contracts, or maybe we're talking about uh, trademark applications or other things like that, well, you know, um, yes, law firms are using artificial intelligence, but also humans are using them uh, artificial intelligence in the legal realm through what we call online legal service providers. And um, so there are places out on the web where individuals, instead of reaching out to a brick and mortar law firm, uh, they can go to these online legal service providers and those uh, websites use versions of AI to assist clients. Now, generally speaking, uh, this only goes up to a point right? Because at some point, if you do have a nuance, if there's something uh, very particular about the document or uh, the issue at hand, you're going to need to have somebody who doesn't just apply computer logic, but applies human reason to the document. And uh, so, again, I, I don't believe that GPT will replace lawyers, but it can give us a good start. And here's the other part. Um, sometimes, Uh, Just in case y'all didn't know, and I know that sometimes for a lot of my friends who are attorneys, this is a shocker, attorneys are human and therefore fallible, okay? Uh, Sometimes we're tired, and sometimes we've done something so many times that we just put pen to paper and could almost do it with our eyes closed and of course we'll come back and read it later but uh, one of the interesting parts about something like chat GPT or or something that has a source of truth that a lot of people can go out and touch is that an answer could come by that maybe we hadn't thought of before simply because that isn't our thinking process, or we're so set in our ways that we didn't think to to go in that direction. Um, so, all that said, no, <laughs> it's not going to replace us. And, and professor, um,
3: if I can jump in briefly, I just I want to add to that. And I'm sorry, Megan, if I interrupted you. No, no, no. The, the phrase that comes to my mind with that question, and I'm not critical of the question, uh, but the the title is a counselor at law, uh, and counselor is the key there, and. Uh, in my years of practice and from interacting with, with, with people in, in various situations, uh, the recurring message is the counselor part remains. Uh, in, in essence, what we're talking about is forms, uh, in, in, in some sense, that have now graduated to a, a more intelligent version of forms and push positioning things uh, in, in a, in a m- most likely setting and then, as Megan was already referring to, the lawyers looking at that, and do we see unique uh, scenarios that come together uh, almost every day as lawyers? So I, I am not concerned about technology replacing. I view it generally as enhancing. Now, now the, these these AI, uh, other technology, th- these things are neutral. What we do with them is positive or negative. And I think a responsible ethical attorney – can take this on. And and as Megan's already pointed out, we have already taken these things on uh, to some degree. And so the chatbots are getting better. I I canceled a service recently and I just had to type in and I could tell that it was, you know, fake, but it it felt kind of real. But at the same time, if I've got a real thing that's going on, that chatbot's not going to replace a a real attorney or a real physician or a real accountant or whatever example we want to use. Uh, to interface at that human level. At least that, that's that's my view. I, You know, and I agree, Adam. I mean, that, it's, I, I always tell my students,
2: empathy is one thing that we can bring to the table and understanding the complexities of human beings that machines won't. So um, I asked the question mainly because, uh, you know, that book is out there, The End of Lawyers. It's been out there for a while. But I don't agree with it. And and I think that um, what, what I hope our, our clients will understand is this actually allows us to work on the important parts, you know, the, the real specific things to them, um, you know, back in, in the old day doing a will, there was a lot of time typing a will that we had to charge for. And just, you know, the production side was much more timely or costly because it took so much more time than it does now. So we can get, uh, kind of quick, more quickly to, to address their specific issues. So I'm a hundred percent in agreement with both of you. Um, so, uh, what about, um, Let's talk about non-lawyers for a second, if we can. Is that all right uh, to, to talk about how maybe the, this technology, because it's not just us using it, but what about, uh, you know, we, we hear about people using these things for uh, writing papers to turn into for school and, 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 you know, and maybe somebody writes a book or Adam and, uh, uh, you know music. So, I mean, is that, is that what is, how is that going to be regulated I mean isn't that problematic in the long run I, I mean for I think it's academic misconduct if a paper turned in but what about what about music or a book I'll,
4: I'll talk to I'll talk from the academic standpoint just because um, I, I'm not a professor um, I've, but I am absolutely an academic for some reason I keep going back and getting degrees uh, but the um, the issue when it comes to uh plagiarism you know is this plagiarism is you know basically taking the work of someone else and passing it off as your own um, and and i will leave you to speak to that professor uh because that's definitely more in your realm than mine but when we're talking about the potential implications of it the truth is is that there are already individuals out there who are using artificial intelligence to identify papers that have been written through the use of artificial intelligence. And sometimes it's using chat GPT against chat GPT, much in the same way that there are uh, plagiarism checkers out there on the internet. Uh, And just for those of you not in the academic realm, there are absolutely websites out there where you can post writings from students to, and and basically it runs a research to, to figure out whether or not it has been plagiarized or not. Uh, these tools could also run papers through their system to identify those that have been written by artificial intelligence. Um, So, you know, if they are using um, chat GPT to, to write these documents and not giving it the human touch, you know, I have to throw that back to the institution, to the professor, to say, you know, is this the world that you want to go to, uh, and and how are you going to use it, and how are you going to check it, and maybe how are you going to adjust your your te- teaching and potentially your your grading structure to pre- prevent the probability of that happening. Yeah, I guess
1: with all technology, you can use it for good or use it for evil <laughs> or personal gain, one might say. <laughs> We can take your questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Our guests are helping us learn about AI software and how it is used in the legal professions. Now, who knew the Mississippi Bar was concerned with health and wellness? This was a new one to me. They are, and I'll tell you a little bit about that next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. Man, we hope that you'll subscribe to our podcasts. Uh, Those are just great ways when you, if you're in the car and you listen for just a few minutes and you think, oh man, this sounds like a great topic, but I've got to go do X, Y, and Z. Don't forget, you can always catch up and listen to the whole show on our podcast. And one of my favorite ways to do is to go to the MPB Think Radio Recordings um from YouTube, because then you can play them and you can if you 're in a where an area where you can 't have the audio on it 'll have i don 't know if it 's AI but <laughs> it 'll have the um, closed co- closed
3: uh, captions
1: on there and it 'll read you know it'll translate what we 're saying into ninety five percent close to the actual <laughs> words that we 're saying so uh I, I love going to that YouTube channel. This morning, we're talking about AI software like OpenAI or ChatGPT with our guests, Mississippi Bar attorneys Adam Kilgore and Megan McGrew, who's also with the firm Baker Donaldson. Now, one thing that I love about uh, MPB, we've got at 11 central. Tuesdays following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. And speaking of your health, the Mississippi Bar has a health and wellness page on their website, who knew, uh, msbar.org. It's supposed to be for their members, but anybody, anybody can click on it. Anybody can click on the links and learn about intellectual, emotional, emotional, Occupational health, and actually there are eight different types of health, and just a ton of information.
3: Kudos! Well, thank you. We, uh, you know, we care about uh, our our lawyers' health and well-being, and the people, of course, that work for them, as well as the clients. And um, I I am proud of what the bar has done in that regard to uh, try to make sure that people have access to the help they need. And You know, self-awareness is good for all of us.
1: It's not just a club where y'all go to the beach every summer. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking with Mississippi Bar Attorneys Adam Kilgore and Megum McGrew, who's also with the firm uh, Baker Donaldson about artificial intelligence. We have a couple of phone calls to go to today. First, let's go to Canton and speak with Nancy. Nancy, we're glad you've called in this morning. What's your comment or question? I'm calling about the dangers of anonymity uh as opposed to privacy uh if someone were able to steal something of mine of value and then disappear um, that's dangerous right and also if someone were to uh put something on the internet that uh ha- causes real harm to me um, and then disappears so that you can't trace them that too is is a concern so um can you speak to that? I mean how do you balance privacy and anonymity? Oh. <laughs> Adam's looking kind of I don't know about
3: Adam's looking at uh, uh the professor and and our other guest. Um, no, now that, that 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 is a, a a good question. It is um you know we the the, the environment we're in and the ability for people to to take on uh, other personas or to do something, uh, like you said, in an anonymous sense, uh, is dangerous. You know, it, 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 it has a technological component, which, of course, is part of our topic today. Uh, but that does start to get into so, some other aspects related to social media govern, governance and the lack thereof. Um, I don't have anything good to, to, to contribute on that other than I agree with the concern. Uh,
1: Macon, do you have any uh,
4: tips or thoughts tips um quite honestly this is one of those situations that is beyond just legal technology and uh just in technology in general and so I, i can't really speak to that as an expert in any sort of fashion the the only thing i can even say would just be a personal thought on it and that is you know just as you would um Just as you would protect your uh, tangible property and your you know things of a tangible nature, the things that you can touch, um, you have to protect your your more amorphous, nebulous uh, pieces of property, and uh, that includes all the attributes that you have, and that is, of course, like. Your social security number. We have always learned that, you know, don't give that out to strangers. Um, Stay safe. uh, Just keep control of it. Be mindful of passwords. Uh, You know, don't use the same password for everything. Be careful what you share on the Internet. Um, You know, these are just general concepts and are definitely beyond just the concept of legal technology and go into just how you work in the
1: online or virtual world. Well, Nancy, we're glad that you have called in. And I would just uh, have to say that, you know, in addition to, you know, having your information out there, there are also some folks who are pretty good at backtracing where information comes from. You know, if you pay somebody enough they can figure out the street address yeah, of, of of where uh, some information comes from. So it, it's uh, like I said, you can use things for good or for evil. Let's go to Slidell and speak with Michael. Michael, we're glad you've called in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question?
0: Well, y'all have a nebulous topic here. Uh, my background's engineering, and I worked in uh, product assurance and uh, aerospace. Is my background. CBT-3 is a tool, and I think it's the lawyers need to take the first cut at getting this uh, stuff going in the right direction because it looks like ever since Microsoft started changing the the world, and now you've got uh, surveillance capitalism, I guess is the best description of it, Um, the little guy doesn't own intellectual property. I mean, Google will actually grab ideas out of the air, and uh, if you notice, we're not really producing anything new for the last 20 years unless it comes... a big corporation so open source software um, I think has been good when you don't have a monetary interest in in any software you end up having people contribute creatively you know for the right reasons the minute that you have money to make like what happened with Bill Gates and you know Microsoft in general um, it turns into a surveillance capitalism monopoly game and that's what we really have to change uh, in two thousand and twelve, we handed over everything to uh, big corporations. They can put up more money to elect someone than you and I could so i mean we 're really behind the eight ball and uh I think lawyers, since you know they're not corporate entities they're corporeal you know they're, they're human beings they have an interest to uh really get out there i think, and take the first cut at getting some of these things under control
1: wow uh, that's, I, I,
0: that's... I could go on and on and on i, don't, I mean it 's like i said it's a nebulous topic but uh I am familiar with CBT-3. There's another version. What happens is once you train these algorithms on enough data, it's like another release. You know, it's like CBT. The next one will be four. This one, I think, is three. Chatbot is three. And you already have variants. And I think Google has uh, made it proprietary. And they're trying to, like, grab the technology and keep everybody else from using it. And if you think about what's happening here, if you can hire someone with an IQ of 300 for your corporation, he's going to perform better than any person on your payroll. And now it's a matter of how much money you want to throw at accumulating these these AI tools. And, you know, we can argue about how accurate it is and, you know, all the little things about it. It's like, oh, machines don't think, only people think. And you've already seen that come up with uh, the employee who got fired by Google, I think. He claimed that the uh, software was sentient. In other words, it was conscious. Well, that's a tough one. I mean, now you've got theology from into the mix. And uh, who, who's to say that machines can't be sentient? We can't quantify what consciousness
1: That is very interesting, Michael. And, you know, a whole other topic is we didn't even get into who owns all of this
3: that that that's an issue uh, at least in the music front just from what i've been seeing but uh you know a g- great great call michael uh, uh, it also uh, i can't help but think about uh, my science fiction background and all these movies and shows that uh, we've seen over the decades or warning us of these moments so we do have to be responsible and conscientious
1: well and you know with all all tools uh, y- use responsibly and not under medication
3: <laughs> <laughs> right
1: <laughs> thank you megan thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate and uh, understand your time is valuable and we're very glad you joined us thank you so much for having me. And Adam, it was great to have you back. We appreciate uh, you and everything you do for the attorneys in the state of Mississippi. Thank you for coming on.
3: Thank you. Always a pleasure.
1: We're so glad that our team consists of uh, Engineer Jay White. I think we had Jermaine Flood answering our phones, and she's also our podcast producer. So for Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. We do hope that you'll join us next week, Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central, In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.